0: This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by Whoscored.com Hello,
1: welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by Whoscored.com in association with BetVictor. Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Jonathan Wilson on AFCON duty and Whoscored's very own Martin Lawrence. Jonathan, I'll come to you first. How are you? I'm oh, very well, thanks. How are you? so you were see you again after all this That's time. Hard. i tell you what, Jonathan, mine will vouch for me here. I have missed you. <laughs> missed you in the podcast. <laughs> That's the last true. Of the he, has, really, he has. I've yeah. really struggled. Really, Multiple really struggled. times, he said. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Martin, not missed you as much, but how are you?
0: Yeah, well, standard. There, yeah. there was actually, a, John, I know Jonathan won't have listened to it, but there was actually a podcast while we've been away that Dan was on, Jonathan, and he was asked what his favourite day of the week was. And he oh, said yeah. Thursday, because he gets to because he gets to talk to you, basically, and he says, oh, I'll get to record with Jonathan Wilson and the who-scored guys. Like, <laughs> and then and then he may double down, because later on, yeah, he's just like, yeah, so he, he summarised by just saying, yeah, so Thursday mornings with Jonathan Wilson. And that was it. No mention. <laughs> no, tuss- no mention of... I mean, uh, no, I think, no I think it of feels slightly player.
2: bad that we're doing... Doing Monday and Friday this week. But, so, <laughs> uh, no.
0: well, two favourite days this even, week.
2: It's going to be you brilliant. Didn't
0: even mention the title of the podcast, let alone my name. I? think <laughs> no. I
2: said who scored. Well, it's the, the
0: Who Scored Wilson Guys It yeah.
1: changes between you and Josh, doesn't it? So you know the Who Scored Guys. Technically, that's correct. It's not you every no, week. It everywhere. does you take it takes ages
0: to say two more names. So there, we there
1: we go. I was just. I'm not better. I got I'm not carried bitter. away. I apologise, but yeah, great <laughs> to see you both. Obviously, more so,
0: Jonathan. We're going to start with the January team of the month, Martin. We are indeed. Um, starts off uh, maybe controversially in that it doesn't have David de Gea, uh, who won. I the mean, Premier how, League. how are we? How are we doing at the team of the month? It hasn't been a Premier League game for about fifty years. Uh, there was yeah, it doesn't seem like there were many games, but there were. Most teams played three, some teams played four, uh, and some teams played two. But yeah, there were, we said minimum three appearances. So David de Gea doesn't make ours, despite being named the Premier League Player of the Month, which I thought was a bit odd. Did only get one clean sheet in four games, but he's he has he's been excellent. But we'll come on to that later. Uh, the man in goal was actually Jose Saar. He earned his fourth man-of-the-match rating of the season against Southampton. Produced nine saves in that, in that game. Got t- twice as many man-of-the-match ratings as any other keeper and only fewer than Salah and St Maximan in the entire league for us. So he's had a real impact at Wolves. Obviously got a great defensive record. They won all their three games. So they've got three players in the team uh one of the, one of the others is max killman uh alongside Mohamed Salisu, uh center back so a young center back pairing there the fullbacks are vladimir Soufal and Stuart dallas uh sufal got an assist in the month and dallas scored and they both ranked among the top four players for tackles and interceptions combined uh it's a 4-2-3-1 not a 4-4-2 you'll be pleased to hear uh Jean moutinho uh rare rare goals for him in the month scored two goals also got an assist so he actually had a direct hand in more goals in three appearances in january than he had in his previous 51 since the start of the last season so yeah a, a rare sort of purple patch in front of goal for him he's partnered by kevin de bruyne scored the winner against chelsea and assisted the equalizer against southampton uh further forward trio of emmy buendia hakim Ziyech, and jack harrison Buendia also scored and assisted in January, had 11 shots, 11 dribbles, created eight chances. He's really, really come to the fore for for Villa now after a slow start. Ziyech Ziyech scored in back-to-back games. Obviously, he was playing, uh, having been omitted from the AFCON squad uh, for Morocco, uh, scored twice so maybe made a bit of a point there. Uh, And Jack Harrison got all four of his goals this season in January, including a hat-trick against West Ham. And then it's Harry Kane up front, having returned to form. Uh, he was excellent against Leicester in particular last month and obviously continued that form into the FA Cup.
1: Lovely. The Wolverhampton Wanderers team of the month. Thank you very much, Martin. Let's talk January now. Jonathan, which club do you think did the best business and why was it Aston Villa?
2: I, I, I find this a really difficult question to answer because the truth is we don't really know until <laughs> yeah. the next six months. Fair. Yeah. So, Villa, I, like I see why they're excited to get Coutinho and uh, Luca Dean. Well, I've got my reservations about Luca Dean um, it, yeah, it should continue that process of strengthening. Um, Tottenham. I think if they hadn't brought anybody in, it would have been a real worry, and, and it would have uh, given the context that he wanted to bring players in. I think that might have created friction there. Um, Kiselevsky and Kerr certainly were they promising? I think they've both gone off the boil a bit in the last sort of year or two. Um, so, an enormous expectancy, you'd say. They're both quite smart signings of players of promise who, who need yeah, putting back on the rails. Uh, but are they actually good enough to make a difference right now? I, I have no idea, frankly. Um, Liverpool have been very restrained in what they've done, but probably brought in one player that they, they definitely wanted and did need. So you give them credit for that, for not being distracted by other things. Newcastle had to bring players in. They brought in four. Uh, certainly, the strength of the fullback—that's a good thing. They need uh, somebody to back up Callum Wilson. They've got Chris Wood. That's a good thing. Gamarish seems very well. very highly rated. Um, but yeah, ask me again in June. who did the best January business.
1: <laughs> oh well, I'll come back to you. I'll be sure we won't be doing a podcast probably, but I'll, I'll send you a little message
2: to ask. No problem. Have a well, uh, Yeah. <laughs> no worries.
1: Ma- Martin, what about you? I think Liverpool are quite interesting because I think Diaz. I didn't really expect that to, to happen in January. I didn't mm. expect Liverpool to be particularly active. So they've got him coming in, which I think is the right way of buying players. That like kind of phasing people out gradually. Like, yeah. Obviously, now I think that's he's going to be Mane's replacement. They've also yeah. had a good
0: January in the fact that people are coming back from injury as mm-hmm. well.
1: Are they potentially? Have they potentially done the best business?
0: I think, like you say, Diaz is a is a very smart signing. I think, and I, I think I agree. I don't think it was going to happen this month. I don't think they were planning to do it this month necessarily. But obviously, Tottenham came in, made an offer uh, which got rejected, and I think that maybe just hurried them along a little bit i think they they did see him as the perfect sort of mané replacement in the long term and the, the idea of potentially missing out on him to a premier league rival probably panicked them a little bit um so yeah get it done now why not uh, so yeah i do think he looks like a really strong direct replacement for mané as well with mané coming into the last year of his contract in the summer he'll have turned 30 by then as well so an interesting sort of dilemma for liverpool whether they whether they try and get some try and cash in on him um be interesting to see obviously he was had an exceptional afcon maybe had a point to prove out there uh with the with the d s signing happening here so yeah aside from that i think personally i do think newcastle had a a had a really really good window i think it was maybe smarter than or more restrained and more sensible than people might have expected um i'm not i'm not saying any of the signings they made are outstanding i think some of them potentially are but um but, yeah, they've just upgraded where they needed to. They probably, I'd say they probably needed another centre-back and maybe a, a defensive midfielder, but they they needed a bit of someone everywhere, really. But they've done what they could, and I think they're, they're really smart signings, personally.
1: Yeah, I would say with Newcastle, a bit of a chaotic window, but they definitely got there in the end. Yeah. We've got a top 10 January transfer window signings in terms of average rating through the season or who scored rating through the season, Martin. Jonathan, I believe you will have picked out three that you think might be in there.
2: <laughs> will I? Uh you, you've, been as, you've been as well as me because I didn't do it. Either, and
1: i was, and I, and I, was to, I think maybe we'll just look at the top ten. No, signings, like.
0: You can just sort of add anything that you think's missing. Not it wasn't like guess three that are in there. Just sort of pick out a couple of signings that maybe maybe you think will. What well, stood out and, and potentially be really strong signings uh so for what it's worth we did i said for what it's worth again that's great um we did it uh <laughs> from the start of last season in all competitions just because a lot of the signings that were made have barely played this season you look at the some of the bigger names like uh, coutinho van der Beek, deli alley um not a lot of football this season um but none of them made the top 10 anyway so unnecessary really but at ten it's one that I think, I think it's <laughs> In terms of rating at ten it's one that's completely gone under the radar and for good reason I think I think it might actually turn out to be a really really poor signing for all teams involved. It's actually Anwar, Anwar El Ghazi. Scored ten goals last season. He does have goals in him. And he is a decent player, but I just I don't see where he fits at Everton at all. Obviously he hasn't played for them. Uh he couldn't play against Villa or against uh or in the cup because he was cup tied. So that restrained him a bit. But where does he fit? Damari Gray, they've got Townsend, they've just signed Ali and van der Beek, who I know aren't aren't wingers, but trying to fit them in the same team may restrict the, the width that they can play with. So that's a that's looking more and more like a curious signing. And uh, I don't have much hope for Anwar. There we go. In at nine is Dan Byrne, uh, which I think is a, a very strong signing. He's a Geordie as well, uh, which I think will count for something in terms of having that, that spirit. And he, he's a leader as well uh Ben Tanker is eight Matt target at seven which I think is a very smart signing not one I really wanted to see happen but there we go Bruno Gumares at at six is one that people will be excited about and I think he is one that if Newcastle stay up he's a he's a real player to build around for the future he, can, he does a bit of everything in midfield he gets about the pitch and he's he's he doesn't really have any weaknesses uh he's a sort of not a jack of all trades but he's he's very good off the ball and and with the ball Uh, Kieran Trippier at five, which for me is is actually still the smartest signing that Newcastle have made. He was actually the the highest-rated defender in La Liga for us last season. And he tailed off quite badly at the first half of this season, so he probably needed a fresh start. I think Newcastle was a really good club for him. Uh, Luca Dean at four uh, has had a strong start, a bit shaky at times. I think maybe got a bit carried away, started started a bit shaky, made a really poor tackle against uh, Man United and then played really well in that game after that. Thought he was quite shaky against Everton as well in the first half, nearly gave away a goal. Uh, Valve Weghorst is at three, we'll come on to him later. I think that could be a really smart signing. Luis Diaz is two, and number one is actually um, Julian Alvarez, who's obviously gone back out to River Plate. Uh, he's a really, really exciting young player, um, scored. 18 goals last season, registered six assists in 21 games for River Plate. So, yeah, he's gone back out there. He's a player that Aston Villa were linked with heavily in the summer and obviously looks like they missed the trick. But there was a lot of clubs chasing him and City have got him for a very, very good fee as well, I think. So, he's been likened to the likes of Aguero already. We'll need to see that uh, over time because he's very young. But, yeah, he's a really exciting signing and one we won't get to see for a little while yet.
1: What a disappointing anticlimax that was. I was we were going through um, and I was thinking... <laughs>
0: Oh, who's gonna who's, who's gonna be number
1: one? You pick, you pick the Who isn't gonna play? Also,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just on our ratings. Like I said, yeah, an exceptional season on uh, route to the title. Obviously, with with River Plate in twenty twenty one. So, yeah, um, oh, okay. an anti-climax, if you like. But yeah, uh, uh, one to watch. <laughs>
1: Jonathan, your thoughts on that top 10? Reservations about any of them, Other than Luca Dean, who obviously is, as mine said, he's crumbling under the pressure of your reservations.
2: <laughs> I mean, not really. I mean, I think what I've seen about ours in, in Argentina, people there rate him extremely highly. I think he's been very smart in in staying there for as long as he has. You know, it's, there's not many players stay there. He's 20, 21, is that right? 22, I think. I 22. think 22. So there's not, not many players stay there until that age, if it, if it was good as he is, uh, but I, I I think that suggests a that he's being well managed in you know in terms of agents, and b that that he's there's a lot of confidence in his ability. There's not a desperation to see to seize the first deal that comes along. um So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him when he does eventually get here. uh Trippier, Trippier, I think is a really interesting one because he obviously was superb last season, and then whatever's happened this season's happened this season. So. It does happen with full-backs. That when they go, they can go very quickly. Um, uh, Gary Neville talks about it, doesn't he? That, that suddenly that game against West mm-hmm. Brom when he just couldn't do it anymore. I, I'd be amazed if Trippi was at that point already because he, he's only, what, 32? Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, so uh, slightly surprised Benton is as high as that because I, I think he's... Yeah, he's a player. I, I, when, he, when he first came through, he, he was one of that... Um, that first sort of wave of uh the, the 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 new youth products that the tabaos have brought through with uruguay him mm-hmm. and bacino um and he, he looked brilliant then um and he has just sort of plateaued. so i i really hope that he kicks on because you know i think he is potentially a great player so if i had been pick, if i had done my job and picked that three they would have been the three i'd have picked out.
1: Fenton should be at Villa. Villa got gazumped. Very, very unhappy with that. I really thought I he was going to end did. up at Villa, but I think he did. Well, did.
0: But there was always a case of, like, we said, this, that's how much we'll pay and we won't go above it. So the fact that Villa, Villa wouldn't pay anything above 20 million suggests that they don't think he's, like, a, a huge loss, I don't think. I'll tell you
1: which side I've got reservations about. Go on. Really? I don't think that's going to work. I think it's an, suits, an interesting one, isn't it? He it's a journeyman, a bit of a journeyman. Yeah, he's a journeyman and he worked very well at what with what yeah. Potter was doing at Brighton and suited
0: the way Potter had Brighton set up. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced. I think, to I think really that actually. shows a little bit of intelligence on his side that he was able to adapt his game quite drastically from being this just a massive centre back to being able to play left wing back mm. um and play out from the back. And I, I think he's developed a lot at quite a late age. Um and yeah, they they just needed a presence in there, didn't they? Newcastle, like their centre backs are. Pissed. I mean, I tried for every centre back in the Premier
1: League. I think Newcastle <laughs> yeah. and then ended up on Dan. Dan was the first one that said yes after.
2: Yeah. the... First but first, but it was worried maybe just because Eddie Howe's record suggested taking the defence is not necessarily his his greatest strength. Think, you know, conceding yeah, sixty five goals absolutely. on average a season with with Bournemouth, and and I, th- I think you are right it's when players have been when players have thrived in a very specific system, mm-hmm. it can be quite hard for them to adjust. I think you see that often with. It's, it's, it's obviously a different level to Brighton, but players leaving Ajax often struggle in the first yeah. season or two, and you've seen that with De Ligt. You've seen it to an extent with Frankie De Jong. You've certainly seen it with Donny Van de Beek. Uh, cleanly, long, Ziesch, uh, clearly, really, Ziyech. Uh, yeah, clearly, well, Ziyech to an extent. He's a, he's a Dutch league player. Come on, he's not he's not good enough for Premier League. I'm oh, uh, with. i like and with. <laughs> uh, he's, he's not good enough for Chelsea. Yeah, I'm with. Uh, I've I started too much sound how hobby should have not said. Big Vahis view so it seems to have infected mine. Uh, but no, the, the, yeah, the okay, three and a half players there who you might have expected more from who, who've struggled a bit on leaving Alex.
1: You might have expected a little bit more from the top four chasers as well. Just quickly before we get into Wolves v Arsenal. Jonathan, are you surprised that, that none of them really acted? Because it's just not. Like no one wants this fourth spot, to be honest. I know Spurs got two deals over the line last minute so that they did act. But everyone else, very quiet.
2: I, I basically think you shouldn't be signing in January. I think you've got to have a good reason to sign. So I get you know, Liverpool uh, pouncing for Diaz because otherwise they'd lost the a player. I totally get it. Newcastle need to bring in players and they've suddenly got money to not have. I totally get that. Yeah, Villa have the chance to sign Coutinho, which for them is a signing that yeah looks to be on a, on, a, on another level to what they could have come and played before. I get that. But fundamentally, I think if you go and signing a in January, it's because things have gone wrong.
1: Fair enough. Let's look at Wolves v Arsenal then. The Jeremy Aliadiere derby. Oh, I'm going to start after the <laughs> last time shambles where I couldn't get a single derby right. That's, that's a good one, Jeremy Aliad, yeah. It says, hey, Martin, you've put this down, so I'm going to ask you, should mm-hmm. Arsenal have moved for Neves? Mm-hmm. Would would Neves, Wolves have sold Neves?
0: Is it, I suppose they need a central midfielder, Arsenal. Um, would Wolves have sold Neves? I'm not sure. If they got the right mm-hmm. price, I'm sure they probably would, yeah. That's true. Um, Arsenal were linked with a few central midfielders. Neves was obviously one of them. Douglas Luiz was one of them. Uh, Neves, I think, would have made sense just in the fact that, obviously, it's they're looking at a long-term replacement for for Granit Xhaka. And what they want is a little bit of reliability. Could, be, could be anybody, any footballer in the world. <laughs> they, want a, they want a little bit of reliability in there. And... That's what you get with Ruben Neves. I'm not, I'm not like his biggest fan, to be honest. I'm not, I don't think he's this amazing player, but he's obviously got a very, very good range of passing. And I just think he's a very consistent player and a very reliable player. And that's exactly what Granite Xhaka isn't. Uh, if you look at it since the start of the 2018-19 season when, when Neves came up with Wolves, hasn't made a single error leading to a goal, hasn't been sent off. Granite Xhaka has made four errors leading to a goal and been sent off three times in that time so very different players in that respect in terms of just being able to rely on them so i think having having a player in there who you know is consistent at this level uh, and plays in a pretty solid two as it is at Wolves, and, and offers them a platform to sort of break from that would would make sense uh for arsenal like i said i don't think he's he's this oh they've missed out on ruben nevers and they're never going to be able to get him again but um that signing would have made sense, in my opinion, and he's the sort of player that, that Arsenal do need, I think.
1: Also, I would say he's got possibly the best hair in the Premier League. It's a good barometer of a player, that. I would right. say he's up there for, for best hair, Ruben Nevers. Not
0: No no dead trim for... No, for no Ruben
1: dead Nevers. trim for Ruben Nevers. Very, very nice style. Jonathan, okay. a Wolves and Arsenal combined 11. How many mm-hmm. Wolves players would you say would make it into that combined 11?
2: One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, six. Well, to be honest, it, it's... Five five outfielders and the keeper, I think it's a toss-up.
1: Yeah, the keeper yeah. would be a close call. Although I'm off,
2: off, of players who are available for this game, to, to the, stress that.
1: Martin, have, have who scored done it by players that are available for the game or have they gone a bit freestyle again?
0: Uh, I think they're all available for the game. I'm not sure, no. but I think
1: they are. That... Say will be back, won't he? Yeah. I don't playing. know. I'd have to ask. You'd have to ask Wolves or somebody. I don't know. Yeah, true. It should be. They right, yeah. went
2: out in yeah.
1: the
0: quarters, so plenty of time yeah. in that book. he should be back. Ah, oh, they'll be playing. I, th- I think they're available. but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, Saez so, is Martin the then? No, he's not in it. No, he's, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, he's in Martin.
1: Um, yeah, he is in it. What's the formation, the Martin? And what's the formation, formation is
0: jumping? a four-two-three-one. I would say. Jonathan's going to
1: be three um, in the back.
0: Jonathan's a, a three in the back. It's got to be.
1: If it's Wolves, it's got to be three at the back. Yeah, always. Go on then, Martin. <laughs> that's a little bit of nonsense.
0: <laughs> the goalkeeper is is the one that's really, really tight uh, for what it's worth. But, ah, for what it's worth. Aaron well, Ramsdale. I'm, I'm really like, trying not to say it. Aaron Ramsdale is just ahead of Jose Saar now. So Ramsdale is now back on top, having fallen behind Jose Saar. He's now top. Uh, Marginally, so it is Ramsdale. He's got two more clean sheets than Saar from three fewer appearances. Uh, Tommy Asu is the right back. It's Kilman and Saiz is our centre back pairing. So no Cody, which might surprise some. Mm. The left back, I think, is a really good, really good young player is Ryan Aitnuri. I think he's been great this season for Wolves and he's really one to watch it. If I was Chelsea, and I know we touched upon it before, not, not making signings, obviously Chelsea, the one position that they were looking at was a, was a left-back. I understand why they didn't go for a left-back. Um, but um, Ryan Aitnuri is one that I would be looking at if I was Chelsea. I think he's a really, really promising young left-back. So he's the left-back ahead of Tierney in our team. Uh, the two in midfield is Partey and Moutinho, who we touched on before. Uh, and then a three of Saka, Smithrow and Martinelli. And it's Lacazette up front ahead of Jimenez, who that might surprise some. And I, if it was just based on their ability, I would go for Jimenez. But in terms of this season, I do think he's tailed off after it looked like he was going to kick back on again, gone mm. for a dry spell, Jimenez. And he's um, he looks like he's struggling a little bit again. So it is Lacazette in our team. So Ramsdale, Tommy Asu, Kilman, Saiz, Aitnuri. Party, Moutinho, Saka, Smith Rowe, Martinelli, Lacazette. So four from only four from Wolves in the who
2: Well, Salah, so I'm still not really bothered. Uh, then the Wolves back three: Kilman, Cody, Sais, uh, Samadi, and Tierney are the two wing backs. Tommy Asu, as you know, I, I'm a big fan of, but he's he's definitely a fullback rather than a a wing back, and I think he's an injury doubt for this game anyway. Uh, Neves in back in midfield. I I sort of undernard over this. I mean, realistically I'd probably play Neves and Moutinho, but I've gone for a, a 3 3 3 1. Uh, I've got I've got old school Bielsa. Uh so <laughs> then Saka Smith Rowan Martinelli behind him
1: enough. Very two very, very different teams. For what
0: it's worth, I think I prefer Jonathan. I mean, <laughs> when have you not? When have you not? And I'm no, like, just- I don't. Just- just, I, I mean, yeah, yeah,
2: okay, you, you could switch that to back four, take Cody out, put Tomiyasu in ahead of uh, Sumodo, bring in Mucini alongside Nevers, and then still have Saka Smith, Rohan, not Nevi behind him in menace.
1: I might have be been tempted for Tomiyasu at the right side of the back three, maybe.
2: Ahead of Killman, wouldn't he? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I like, like Tomiyasu. I've had a lot of, got a lot of time for him. Obviously, our signing of the season, Jonathan, so far that, that we caught. Yeah, the, no, the absolutely.
2: Position. Yeah, am not saying you couldn't do it. I just think Killman's excellent yeah. and. Uh, in a back three where he's familiar with the other two members of it. Thanks for and, a lot.
1: And did you know he used to be a foosball player? I don't think he's ever played a game on the TV and that not been made. Not foosball. Is he foosball? I'm confused.
0: Foosball? Not
1: foosball. What's that other ball? He didn't used to be a foosball player.
0: What's it called? Are you talking about the... What, table Football. No, foosball is table football. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, got, I've got confused. But he may have had
2: a game. of table. Do you mean Foots Foots that's what, that's what I'm looking
1: Football, foosball. Foosball. I mean, he may have had a game of football before. I imagine it, he probably had. That'd football. be more interesting, to be honest. Yeah, but every time he plays, they mention that he used to be a futsal. I player. was,
2: uh, I was, I was a decent table football player at uh, college. I thought you were going to say futsal. So was, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Right? Uh, sort of, uh, I'd say, I'd say part of the best player in college in my third year
1: i've always thought i'd be a world-class goalkeeper in futsal i really regret never having a go with it i'd I'm, i'd be so good
0: in futsal I, yeah. i'm really struggling now for <laughs> yeah words, which... i'm terrible at table football so the less we say that. a world-class goalkeeper so. at table football would be yeah no no, no, no Well, that, that was
2: my strength was uh, really, well, yeah, I, was really? De- I was i was a defender yeah but yeah <laughs> I, I think it's another i genuinely think it's a fascinating thing about table football how it relates to uh or grass football, should we call it, um, that you reach a certain level of table football and your forward players are your defenders and your defensive players are your Ooh, attackers. Yeah. Uh, and I think at, at some point, football, grass football has reached that. And you look at something like Cancelo now, who's one of Manchester City's best attackers, so i being notionally a defender. Because the the, 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 the deeper the deeper line players, uh, and I think you see this, I mean, the Ajax, the Lee Van Hal's Ajax in the mid-90s, yeah, the playmaker was was uh Rijkaard playing at centre back because he was the player with, with time and space on the ball. In just the way the two, two defenders in table football have time and space on the ball.
1: <laughs> I tell you what, there could be a book a book in there
2: i mean it'd be, it'd be a short book and not a really good one but
1: I, I, i'm gonna am gonna embarrass him he's gonna be upset that i'm saying this but our producer dan rollinson said they started your book jonathan it was too much for him inverting the film <laughs> he, could, he, said he, he said he
2: couldn't handle it as long as he bought it i don't really care yeah
1: he's got he's got it but he just couldn't handle it he just, it was too much for yeah. him i think I don't, I don't
2: get more royalties if people finish it so like, that's fine it
1: doesn't matter it
0: doesn't matter does it Right then, let's have the predictions for Wolves v Arsenal. Martin, what's who mm. scores? Good question. Good question. What is who scores? I believe it's 1-0. It is 1-0. 1-0. all. Have
2: I, have I, it's been infected by the Cup of Nations. I just don't sort of think everything's going to be 0-0. <laughs> but
1: 0-0. I mean, it is Wolves, so there's every chance there'll be a nil somewhere. I've gone for 0-1 to Arsenal to win 1-0, I, I said 0-1. I've gone for Arsenal to win 1-0 at Wolves. Time now for the just a minute section. Jonathan, we're going to come to you first for West Ham v Watford, which is cheap and it's going to be the Craig Dawson derby. I mean, you forget that he actually played for Watford, Craig Dawson, but he did spend a the season there on loan. You've got one minute, off you go.
2: Uh, Roy Hodgson's second game in charge of Watford. His first game, they kept a clean sheet. First time in six Premier League so first, first and six for Manchester to keep the Premier League clean sheets. He's already had an impact there. Uh, and Nkulu's still out, though, for them. Uh, West Ham, having won four in a row, had a bit of a wobble. They had a defeat to Leeds in the league and to Manchester United in the league. And then that performance at Kiddermansk at the weekend, which was pretty unimpressive. I really don't think they've been the same since they lost out Bono in the win over Liverpool. Uh, doubts as well about Fabianski and uh, Michael Antonio, who are obviously both uh, critical to them. Uh, Watford's form: two draws in the last three, so it represents a, a bit of an upturn for them. Uh, they've only scored three goals in the last seven, which is the... Well, they've got two problems, haven't they? They don't score goals and they let, let goals in. Uh, West Ham won it 4-1 at Vicarage Road. I, I, I think they will be tighter under Hodgson. Whether they've got enough enough goals going forward, I don't know. I suspect the Smalasal won't be back for this one, uh, so I will go West Ham to win 2-1.
1: I've gone for exactly the same, 2-1 to West Ham. Martin, who scored? 3-1 to West Ham. 3-1 to West Ham. Right, your first game, Martin, is the big one. It's Aston Villa against Leeds, and it's the
0: Scott Carson derby. Yeah, uh, This is a bit of an odd rivalry that developed between the two sides in the Championship as much as anything. If you told Eva that they were both players starring for Brazil just a few years later, they'd have laughed at you. Rafinha and Coutinho were both on the score sheet during the international break, though the former picked up a knock and slighted out. While Steven Gerrard will no doubt be keen to monitor Coutinho's game time, Villa added to the arrivals of the former Liverpool man and Luca Dean with depth in the form of Robin Olsen and Callan Chambers. The latter can act as cover in three key positions for Villa, so should prove a shrewd signing. Elsewhere, Liam Bailey is nearing a return and could be involved in the matchday squad before long, with both Bertrand Traore and Trezeguet likely to be given time off post AFCON. Leeds made no new signings whatsoever, but key trio Liam Cooper, Calvin Phillips, and Patrick Bamford are all back on the grass and should return soon. The latter scored a stunning hat trick in this fixture last season, but without him, goals have been hard to come by all season. And Villa should just have the edge. Uh we're going three one Villa. Oh, I've gone for
1: three one to Villa as well. Jonathan? Two one Villa. 2-1 Villa, a full house for Aston Villa Football Club. Jonathan, next up for you is Man City v Brentford and it's going to have to be the Uwe Rosler. I'm not sure it really works. He did manage Brentford and play for Man City so it's going to have to be the Uwe Rosler Darbo.
2: Yeah, I'm just starting to worry a bit for Brentford. I mean, that's kind of a, an obvious thing to say given they've lost six of their last seven um, and the only winning there, of course, was against uh, Aston Villa Football Club. Um <laughs> Uh City are in slightly strange form at I mean it's it's so hard to judge City because they're so good that yeah, you know, the slightest little uh deviation from brilliance makes it look like they're they're having a downturn, which are not really. I mean, obviously they're comfortably too good for Fulham at the weekend. Uh they'd won twelve in a row before uh that that's the run ended against Southampton. Slightly wobbly in the games against Leicester and Arsenal defensively. Uh, so possibly brentford with a high pressing can get at them that is a style that's upsets it in the past but i think it'll just be too good for them uh they only won one nil at brentford early in the season uh gavage is to doubt for this game but i think the win is easy enough i'm going to say city to beat brentford by four goals to nil.
1: four nil i've gone four one to manchester city who scored who scored have gone i haven't got it ready Two only two nil to man city two nil okay Martin Norwich v Palace, got to be honest, got absolutely nobody for this. If someone can tell me who play for Norwich and Palace, you'll get a prize.
0: <laughs> well, I've not, not got much chance. Uh... I, was so,
1: I was so confident that no one would. I didn't have a prize. If anyone
0: had got it, we would have been in trouble. No, I, I didn't think you would have a prize. I won't lie. Nah. Uh, <laughs> only Wolves are on a longer winning streak in the league than Norwich, and victory over Bruno Larger's side in the cup will have further boosted their confidence. That said, the Canaries picked up just two points from the next 24 available when they achieved back-to-back wins earlier in the season, so they won't be getting carried away. They made no new signings whatsoever, but did allow Todd Cantwell to move on loan to Bournemouth last month, so I imagine they now wish they'd, they hadn't set such a lofty price tag for the 23-year-old in the summer. Billy Gilmore's return is, of course, like a new signing, and he earned his highest rating for the club in the Cup at the weekend, while Matthias Norman is also back available to strengthen the options in midfield. This is a crucial game with matches against Man City and Liverpool to follow. Palace are unable to match Norwich's feat of winning back-to-back games twice this season, and their inconsistency is highlighted by the last six results. Two wins, two draws, two defeats. They welcome back Wilf Zaha from AFCON duty, but he may have to bide his time following an outstanding display from Michael Elise in the cup. James McArthur's return is a big boost, given Checo Quiate's likely absence. While Patrick Vieira has unquestionably improved the playing style at Palace, one thing that has got worse is their away record with just one win on the road all season. No longer a counter-attacking side, really. They've lost that little bit of a threat in that regard. So this should be a tighter game than the 3-0 win for the Eagles a little over a month ago. We're going for one all in this game. I've gone for 2-1 to Norwich, Jonathan.
2: I've also gone for Norwich to win the Cameron Jerome derby by two goals to one. Yeah, I just looked it up.
1: I have absolutely no memory of him playing for Crystal Palace. It was on loan, I think, wasn't it? No memory of that at all. But I do remember him playing for Norwich for a number of years. Jonathan, your final game is Tottenham v Southampton. The David Howells derby. I played oh, in very nice. Games. I played in a corporate football match and David Howells was on my team once. He was very, very motivational. I found him very inspiring. But I tell you what, after the game, I've never seen someone get walk around naked so much. Like, he honestly couldn't wait to be naked and just walk around the change rooms. So that's my, that, my everlasting image of David Howells. But off you go, Thanks. Jonathan.
2: Spurs uh, lost to Chelsea, obviously, as they always do, uh, but they had gone eight games unbeaten in the league under Conte before that. Uh, I think, yeah, clear signs of, of progress, uh, yeah, despite the fact that every time they come up against Chelsea, they, they get smacked. Uh, the two new signings should at least have appeased Antonio Conte's desire for new players. Whether it actually makes them makes the score better, I'm not sure. It certainly makes a score deeper. Uh, they drew 1-1 last time they met, which was under Conte, and that, that's them playing with 10 men for a long time, which will be a worry, I think, for Tottenham, that, 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 that Southampton's, uh, the way they press, can frustrate them. Uh, Spurs, remarkably, two points off the top four at the minute uh, with two games in hand, despite seeing not being really played well all season. Southampton, 10 points of the drop zone, uh, having only lost one of the last six uh, Gineppo should be back after a couple of nations Bro, bro is still a doubt McCarthy's still out And I said, what did I say for this one? I said Spurs to win it 1-0 and
1: Exactly the same as you again I've gone for Spurs to win 1-0, Martin? 2-1 to Spurs 2-1 to Spurs, Spurs are actually my pick for the top four If anyone is interested Final game is Liverpool v Leicester It could have been the Emul Heskey derby But
0: oh no it's that Peggy arfex said daba go, <laughs> That's good. Jurgen Klopp stated even ahead of the final that Sadio Mane and Mo Salah would be available for selection injury permitting on Thursday. So no such luck for Leicester. The former is now under real pressure from the Luis Diaz signing, obviously. He would appear a direct replacement for the Senegal star. Uh, He's just outshone Salah at AFCON. Uh, so comes into the game if he does play in, in good form after... A controversial final, let's say, on his part. Uh, elsewhere, Naby Keita, Thiago and Harvey Elliott are all available, with no more concerns in midfield for Klopp to deal with. That said, Curtis Jones has taken his opportunity excellently and could keep his place. Leicester have their usual injury woes, with Brendan Rodgers confirming both Johnny Evans and Jamie Vardy will be out for another six and four weeks, respectively. Wesley Fofana is well ahead of schedule, though, and along with Ricardo Pereira, could return later this month. Elsewhere, Andidione and Nacho are back from Afcon, so the Foxes are better equipped to face the Reds than they were when they earned a shock one-nil win to close out last year. Schmeichel would need another inspired performance for Leicester to complete the double, but Liverpool would be out for revenge and should get it. Uh, we're going three-one to Liverpool. I've gone three-nil Liverpool. Leicester can't defend to
1: the save their lives. Jonathan,
2: three-one uh, Liverpool.
1: 3-1 to Liverpool. Right then, let's catch up with Sam Boswell for Bet Victor and talk the January transfer window and have a little look at Newcastle v Everton as well. Sam, good to catch up with you. Feels like it's been a while since we last spoke. Exciting January transfer window, to be fair. Really, really exciting. Plenty of movement.
3: It can be a bit of a mixed bag, can't it? Sometimes we get some real movement, sometimes it's a little bit of a damp squib, but for Newcastle fans, I think it's fair to say the uh, the exciting era really is well and truly underway. Uh, east to 6-4 to four now to finish in the bottom three, so So looks like at the moment it's going to be the three of Norwich at one to five, Watford at one to three and Burnley at one to two, uh, who will be the more likely ones to be heading down. Everton, obviously, with Frank Lampard now in situ, five to one to finish in the bottom three. Uh, You've got the bottom half finishes in there as well. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what goes on at Newcastle. I thought it was quite sensible, a lot of the purchases. I thought players like, you know, your Matty Target heading there on loan was a really good move as well and I, I think it's going to be hard to see that if they stay up this year, that they don't really go to town in the summer. And it'll be a very interesting movement. Can't wait to see who's got the job of trying to price up next season, what Newcastle do, because I think it's going to be fascinating.
1: Not my Matty target anymore. Talking of pricing up, how's Newcastle versus Everton, the actual match looking?
3: Everton potentially with the new manager bounce, Newcastle with the new player bounce, I suppose you could say. Um 31-20, to 20, Newcastle to get the home win. I'm sure their fans, as ever, will be generating a real atmosphere for this game. 9-4 the draw, which is what I'd quite fancy here, I think. And 17-10, Everton to take all three points. There's some boost already on the site. Uh, match to end in a 2-2 draw. Has been pushed out to 16-1 to from Shorter. Uh, it'd be great to see a good goal-scoring uh, game on BT. We've got a goal to be scored in both halves. That's been boosted to 20-23. To now, The only concern I think I've got with these two sides is I I just think I want to see Everton really put together a string of performances. Appreciate, obviously, the Cup uh, was a result and a half, but got to see them do it on the pitch consistently, which is something we haven't seen. Fascinating to see how we get on. Don't forget, we've got all the stats bets on site for all these uh, Premier League games as well. Well, worth getting stuck into there. Uh, but I think I'll probably uh, just play the draw in this one myself. But as ever, loads going on across the Premier League uh, this game week. You've got your shots on target, betting Chris Wood, obviously, uh, potentially people will be interested in him. Uh, but I'm actually quite keen. Uh, on a a little price we've got, which is Damari Gray to have an assist in the game, 14-5. to I think he's going to be a key man under Frank Lampard's new reign.
1: Thank you very much, Sam. We'll catch up again next week and have a good rest of the week and enjoy the football.
3: Thank you, and as ever, we'd encourage people to continue to gamble responsibly and enjoy what should be a great midweek round of games.
1: Uh, Newcastle v Everton could be an interesting game. This I I really think this would be be a good one in the midweek fixtures. Two interesting clubs now to look at. Newcastle's best 11 when everyone's fit. Should we have a go between us at, at picking it? That's 4-4-2. Four, four, Eddie Howie used to lock a 4-4-2 four, four, at Bournemouth.
2: he's gone
0: 4-3-3 three, three in his last two.
1: I've got,
2: yeah, I've got 4-3-3. Three, three. I think with the players you've got, 4-3-3 three, three makes more sense. But
1: with everyone fit, would he not play Wood and, um, Wood and Wilson?
2: Uh, I think well, he could do. That's true, everyone fit, yeah. I was sort of knock-knock at That's Wilson. That's, that's, that's fair.
0: I've got four, three, one, two in that eventuality, with like mm-hmm. some Man behind, like you know, like a free roll behind those two. Yeah, yeah, that would probably work.
1: I mean, goalkeeper obviously is probably Debravka. I think we can all mm-hmm. we can all agree on that. Back four, Trippier, Lascelles, Burn, and Target. Burn, target, yeah, Jonathan.
2: Mm, I mean, Lassell or, or Shaw, one of the two. Yeah, I'm not yeah. really. Yeah, they've got a collection
1: of of bang average centre backs to go. (laughs) I'll probably throw Dan Burn into that to be honest. Well, the
2: the sale's disappointing because two or three years ago he looked excellent, and he just seems to have sort of been infected by the general malaise there. Mm.
0: You would, you would be, wouldn't you, carrying the white of the world on your shoulders? A lot of people think they need to play a back three because they are bad defensively, but I think. If, you're, if your centre-backs are all awful, I'm not sure adding another one actually helps. Well, no,
2: and the, the two full-backs they've got, you're a target in obviously exactly. both play, play. Yeah. so they have the option of doing that.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Leicester sometimes go to three at the back, and it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever. They're still absolutely I looked all at it place. actually.
0: Uh, so Newcastle have played three at the back nine times this season. They haven't won. Drawn five, lost four, conceded 21. So their two wins have both come with a back four uh 12 games. So yeah, they, they have been slightly better with a back four in general. Right, but
2: I mean, presumably they play the back three against better teams.
0: They, well, they played it a lot at the start of the season. Obviously, Steve Bruce, Bruce. played it, and um, Eddie House sort of started to fade team it out. The two wins
2: have been against. Who have the two wins been against? Against mm-hmm. Burnley, Burnley and...
0: and what was the recent Leeds last time? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So what's Maybe the midfield then?
1: I presume Gamare is definitely going to be in there. Yeah,
0: this is a tough one, isn't it? Because he's played, he's playing Joe Ellington in midfield at the moment, isn't he? And he's he's done pretty well there. The last, yeah, yes. he's played the last five games in central midfield in a midfield three. So I've got him in there with Gamare, but then obviously it will probably be Shelby. But then I don't don't fancy that defensively at all. I kind of nah. think you might need a long staff or a Hayden in there, but he doesn't rate Hayden. So I think it will be Shelby. But Hayden's
1: got a uh, bad injury, I think as well, has not he? Has he? At the well, man yeah. believes so, yeah. yeah. Jonathan, what have you gone for?
2: Yeah, I've got Shelby Ganarsh and Willock as my three.
0: Willock completely yeah, That's out, another though. one. It's, it's hard to. Well, Willock was good last season. And he's just sort of yeah.
2: vanished this season. So. It, it was a, what did he cost?
0: Like nearly 20 million, or was it? Well, what what did he he got, got, didn't he score seven, seven, seven games? games in his row, last yeah. Seven games, yeah. I think that matched, matched Alan Shearer's bet, longest yeah. scoring streak for Newcastle, which is crazy, isn't it? And then has he scored this season? I felt like he may not have Maybe even scored one, this one. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, he's certainly not been in on three, three, four. 4 That's not even a word. He's not been on fire like he was last season. Okay, so we've struggled to get that 11 through there. <laughs> <Yeah>. What <would> you, <laughs> was your, was your at all. Was, yeah. <laughs> would you forward line, Jonathan?
2: Um, Fraser, Wood and Sir
1: Maximum. Okay. I still think 4-4 to when, when everyone's fit. Have a go yourself at picking your Newcastle eleven because we've not done a very good job of, of putting this across on the podcast at all. So If you fancy having a go, let us know in the comments what you think Newcastle's best eleven is. Jonathan, are you a Frank Lampard fan? I can't remember. It was so long ago since he was in charge. You can't remember.
0: No, it's genuine? Can't. Is that genuine? No, I genuinely can't remember. I dislike the question. I don't. I, don't
2: think... <laughs> you know, I, I, I just I, I don't like the personalisation of it. It's not a question of being a, a Lampard fan or a Salci fan or whatever. It's Lampard at Chelsea had two very obvious weaknesses, which is they conceded far too many goals on counter-attacks and then began conceding far too many goals from set plays. Um, now, if that happens regularly and you don't put it right, ultimately that, that has to come back to the manager. The fact that he then fell out with loads of players, had a habit of chucking the players under the bus after a defeat, uh, I thought suggested possibly temperamentally he might struggle as a manager but yeah he's still young there's no reason why he can't learn that um so those are my i i I never thought he should have got a chelsea job i I thought one season at derby where they got to the playoffs was not enough to give him the chelsea job i thought he looked out of his depth um but that doesn't mean that he can't become a good manager um everton i think is a really difficult club to manage and I I sort of I'm tempted to say if it goes wrong in Everton, well it's gone wrong for everybody at Everton mm. going back to yeah. who was the last successful Everton manager, moyes I guess. Yeah. Um and you had a whole I mean Ancelotti, yes, always did okay. But if Ancelotti can't do it and kuman can't do it and Allardyce can't do it, and Marco Silva can't do it, and if um Rafa Benitez can't do it, I don't even write of Lampard Lampard can't do it. It's that that becomes something to do with the club rather than necessarily the manager. Yeah. Uh, he, he does have the advantage over some of those previous managers that fans seem to want him, which was not mm-hmm. the case with either Allardyce or, or Benitez. And they turned pretty quickly on Koeman as well. So, um, yeah, that, that, that might give him a few months' grace to, 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 to get things right. But you look at that squad, and it's an absolute shambles. I'm not really sure that bringing Deli Alley and Stoney van der Beek in... It's just more of the same. They keep on signing players who have been good and no longer at their peak and and their squad's full of that and and that's problematic for two reasons one there's no guarantee that they're going to pick up and two well there's three reasons so two you sort of lack a sense of youth and vigour and progress it's sort of everybody sort of just treading water trying to cling on trying to recapture past glories and three these are players who don't have a resale value so Financially, it's not good either.
1: The other problem, Martin, I think, is that Everton have gone from having a load of number 10s to no number 10s, and now I feel like they've got too many number 10s. Again, how how on earth are Van Der Beek and Ali and the, I think Jonathan mentioned earlier, Townsend,
0: Gray? I think <laughs> to fit all these players in the team. It makes it really difficult just because you feel like Gray's had such a good good impact at the club, a good season so far, that he has to play. Richarlison has to play because he's probably their... I, mean, I didn't even think of him, yeah. Exactly. He's probably their biggest asset. I know he's, he blows hot and cold, but still a very, very good player. So if you have to play those two, you have to play obviously Calvert-Lewin leading the line. So that's a front three in effect. So you've got a three-man midfield with Deli Ali and van der Beek in it. If you've got those two, then you have to play Alan, and then oh, you Decore. miss out Corey, who's yeah. probably their most important player. So obviously Decore is injured at the moment. So that probably helps Lampard a little bit. I think he would be out for another few weeks yet. Uh, I don't rate Andre Gomez at all. So that's not a loss in my opinion. But um but, yeah, it is It is difficult to see what system he's going to play and how he's going to make that fit. I feel like it was sort of a... Van der Beek was one that they were looking at before Lampard came in and Ali was one that maybe Lampard might have said, let's get him in if we can get him back anything close to. But then not a lot of sort of planning in that uh, mm. just because uh, how how is it actually going to work? I, I'm not convinced at all. Yeah,
1: speculation on my behalf. Lampard and Deli Ali have the same agent, which I find quite interesting. I feel like there's some, some tomfoolery.
0: I thought speculation yeah. made made it sound like you, you thought that might be the case, but if that is actually the case. No, it is that, the case. It's definitely the case. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Jonathan, Deli Ali, any chance of him getting back to his best?
2: I hope so. Um I mean, yeah, his his decline has been, been rapid and uh you think how good he was under Pochettino um certainly for a while. Uh and you, you just wonder where that goes. And I, I think he's a very good case study in how a lot of footballers it's not that they're necessarily better than other footballers, it's just that they're in a better structure, be that a tactical structure or a sort of emotional and mental structure. And I think Ali the last two or three years has really lost his lost his way and, and um you you wonder for something off the pitch. I don't I don't know that. Uh I uh, uh, I, and I just hope for his sake that he, he does get it back because he was he was such a great player. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to write him off, but you know he's been hasn't been very good for two or three years now. And what's your pitching for the game, Jonathan? Oh, um, I can't remember. Uh, it's one one. Same as me
1: again. I've gone for one one. Martin, who scored?
0: Not much different. Two two. Final game we're going
1: to look at today is Burnley against Manchester United. And does anyone? Oh, no, I didn't go, didn't do a Newcastle Everton derby. Uh, Gary Speed derby. Sorry, apologies, yeah. for the Derby fans. Oh, I just completely forgot to do it now. Burnley v Manchester United, and that's gonna have to be cheap because he's gonna have to be Tom Heaton because that's all I can think. Chris of. Eagles, Chris Eagles. Ooh, hmm. There he is. He waited. Oh, uh, who was the, the um, uh, Willie Morgan? I'll take it back yeah, to the Willy. Cor- <laughs> <60s>. <laughs> I'll you, I'll, he was
2: I'll, uh, I'll you he word, was the new best in, in his own head, if nothing else. Uh, yeah,
1: no, nothing about him, so I will.
2: No, have a good because I know you, I know your man who, who likes your trims, and there's a good three or four on his head at the same time. To look at. <laughs> oh, I don't know
1: why that made me laugh, but it did. Uh, yeah, Burnley v Manchester United. Does anyone know anything about v Vigors? Any, any
2: experts out the two of you? Well, I know I think- he scored 17 goals, 16 goals, 20 goals, and then six this season for Vosburg. I also know that some pretty high level Premier League managers have started to regard the Bundesliga as being a bit like the Eredivisie. The goals there don't necessarily translate to goals here. So, mm. look, you'd rather he those staffs than not have them, but it doesn't mean anything.
0: He's only only Robert Lewandowski scored more goals in the Bundesliga than Weghorst uh, during his time there. So, it is a good record. But like Jonathan says, maybe it does need to be taken with a pinch of salt. I think you look at, even at even at Wolfsburg, very similar case. They had Bas Dost, uh, who's another massive Dutch striker, had an exceptional scoring record at Wolfsburg uh, and has never really sort of been able to replicate it anywhere else. Um, but, but, yeah, he, one thing I would say about Veghorst is he's got a much better link-up play than Chris Wood yeah. has or had. Uh, he's a better link-up forward. He got quite a lot of assists to his name as well, which I think is important. Uh, we didn't see it in the game against Watford, which was terrible by all accounts It's the worst game of football i think i've ever watched honestly <laughs> <laughs> they roy, hudson renegade, it, immediately. roy hudson loves it roy hudson loves the nil nil doesn't he? he said it before about a game that got absolutely just everyone said it was the worst thing they've ever seen he was like oh, it's one of my favorite games this season but there go. Oh, um but yeah he didn't really get any sort of connection there with corne which i think is looking like the front two obviously very very early doors but burnley do need that sort of partnership to strike up quite quickly. So that's the sort of little and large, I guess. Cornet, very quick, can run in behind. Beghorst, who is good, like I say, obviously very good in the air, good at good hold-up play. So I think he's better in terms of linking the play than Chris Wood was. don't think he's as good in the air in front of goal as Wood was, but it does look like a smart sort of replacement. And I think one that Burnley fans can get excited about, it's not a signing I, I thought Burnley would possibly be able to make for the for the price that they did, but maybe that shows you that there wasn't much interest in him elsewhere, we'll see, but one to watch I think he has the potential to be a very smart sign Yeah, back-to-back nil
1: nil for Burnley, Jonathan, I would say there's every chance of another nil-nil here actually, in this game, but they've kind of gone back to what they're good at, but they need to start scoring some goals, don't they?
2: Yeah, they do uh, I mean, what are they three points adrift with three games in hand, so I guess if they draw all three of those nil-nil, then they've, they've made up the gap Um <laughs> But yeah they they need to start turning a couple of nil nils into one nils um i, I certainly wouldn't write them off yet no. um it's just what yeah you know, those games in hands they, they can be a double-edged sword they can get teams who uh, are distracted by by other things towards the end of the season or are starting to tire uh or you know the the, the 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 pressure can can mount up and they themselves can be fatigued um so uh, yeah, I mean, United, I uh, mean, they haven't, been, haven't played well at all, really, for three, four months now. But since Solskjaer left, they've taken 21 points in 10 league games, which is is OK if you're playing badly. Um, but yeah, losing to Middlesbrough, I mean, I suppose they played OK against Middlesbrough, a bit unlucky, but um, it's another sign of things being being amiss there. And it just sort of seems, so, yeah, Rangnick fundamentally is a good thing, but I'm just not really sure why they made him coach rather than giving him a director of football well, which is what he's done for most of the past decade.
1: Feels like if ever a club needed the summer, it's Manchester United. I bet their fans can't wait for this season. And,
2: and yet again, yeah, you know, United keep doing this. Uh, senior people at the club suddenly are appointing PR people. And that, that seems to be the signings the most excited by rather than actually getting players right.
1: Yeah, they're weird. They're just a weird club now, aren't they, without Sir Alex Ferguson ruling the roost They're just just been weird for years, yeah. As I say, they desperately need the summer. Now, Martin, David De Gea is the Premier League player of the month. Feels to me like when Manchester United are good, De Haya's yes. bad.
0: When yeah. they when they're bad, De Haya's very yeah. good. Is that a simplistic way yeah. of looking at it? I think he's the sort of keeper that does actually need to be busy. Maybe that's a concentration thing. Um but yeah, he's been he's been very, very good. And the Ranyuk in particular, I think he saved them a lot. I don't like Jonathan says, I don't think they've played well. And they could have been quite heavily behind in games without De Gea. I know a lot of Man United fans think the same. I think Man United have only really played well in like halves of game in halves of maybe a handful of games so far. And I think that's the sort of difference between a, a very strong team and a and an average team. It is difficult to play well for ninety minutes. Even the best teams struggle to do that. But Man United seemed to have good halves and then switch off. And Middlesbrough was sort of the, probably the perfect example of that. Had a pretty good half in the first half against Villa. Had a good second half against Brentford. But they're not putting them together. And, and they're managing to stay in these games because of De Gea. So how long that can continue remains to be seen. He's not been the most consistent performer um, over the last few years. Uh, but, yeah, he's all credit to him. He's, he's been excellent. Back to his best. Back to his very best, I'd say. And watch who scores prediction, Martin? Who scores prediction is 1-0 to Man
1: United. 1-0 to Manchester United. I've gone 1-1, so I presume, just by the way the show's gone, that you've done exactly the same, Jonathan? No, I've got 2-0 to United. Oh, finally, it's taken us to the 10th game. But we've, <laughs> all, we've, we've all got something different there, so that, that that's good. We've got a treble, I believe, Martin.
0: Tuesday one, we've, we've had boosted already. The Wednesday one, not yet, but hopefully we will do. Uh, so the Tuesday one is sort of a Stats treble if you like. Uh the it all actually uh, correlates with Jonathan's tips as well of who scores as well. So maybe he'll be he'll be on it, I'm sure. Uh West Ham to win and both teams to score against Watford. That's landed in the last four meetings between the sides. Watford have actually only failed to score in one of the last 12 meetings with West Ham. Uh so that's West Ham, both teams to score in that game. Uh Newcastle to score first uh, against Everton. Uh, In the last seven matches that Newcastle have scored, they've always scored the first goal. It's quite interesting. And Everton have conceded the first goal in their last nine league games. So we've got that game to be a draw, but Newcastle to score first is the tip for that one. And then Manchester United to win 2-0, so without conceding at Burnley. Uh, Burnley haven't scored in six games against Man United at Turf Moor. Uh, and they've lost the last five of those. A tiny little bit of trivia for you, if you like. Yes, here we go. Come on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you might get it. Uh, who was the last Burnley player to score at Turf Moor against Manchester United? Uh, I can give you a little clue, if you like, that might help. What's, is he ages what is ago? A... <laughs> it was ages ago. So, like I said, they haven't it, scored in the Is he Robbie Blake? Bingo, bango. Yeah, Come Robbie on. Blake in a 1-0 win. Very <laughs> didn't good. Want the, didn't want the clue didn't want it to be. No, it didn't it. want it. It was gonna be I was gonna I was only gonna say it was in a win. Uh, okay. but yeah. So yeah, I mean,
1: that's pretty uh, ages ago. That's a disgrace. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, it
0: yeah, not doesn't bode particularly well. So yeah, West Ham to win and both teams to score. Newcastle to score first against Everton and Man United to win to nil at Burnley. So, so uh, that's was the Jonathan t- Wilson treble. <laughs> yeah. So it was twelve to one, is now fourteen to one think that's right yeah was 12 to 1 now 14 to 1 and then the Wednesday bet is a goal score anytime goal scorer treble maybe a bit more up your street Danny like a goal scorer wash out of the weekend yeah very good very good Um, so Odson Edouard to score against Norwich is the first one he scored in three of his last four league appearances that started with a goal against Norwich got two assists in that game as well Son to score against Southampton they're his favourite team to face in his career he scored 11 goals against Southampton including seven in his last five against Saints. And De Bruyne to score uh, to finish off that treble. He scored in his last three home games, four goals in total in that time. So Edouard, Son and De Bruyne to score. Like I said, that's not been boosted yet, but I think it's around again, around the 12 to 14 to one mark. That's our tip for, for Wednesday. Thank you very much,
1: Martin. Some good good little ones there, I think, for people to get on, especially that Jonathan Wilson Tuesday treble, Be all over that. Yeah, that does us for this week's edition of Edge of the Box. And the good news is, is that we're actually going to be back on Friday as well as two shows this week due to the Premier League fixture pile up so many games. So we've got two shows. So if you do enjoy the podcast... You'll be able to see us again on Friday. If you're not already subscribed, you can post notifications on on YouTube. And if you could do that, that would be great. Let's get the subscriber numbers up. Thanks to Jonathan. Thanks to Martin. And as ever, please stay safe.